to turn your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 10. We'll be uh, reading the first 27 verses. Since we're in the middle of a story, let me catch us up. A few weeks ago, Pastor Nikki preached from chapter 8 about how Israel wanted a king. And although Samuel and God himself were not in favor of the idea, God decides to grant their request. In chapter 9, we are then introduced to a man named Saul. And all we know about him is that he is very tall and he is the most handsome man in Israel. When we meet him, he is on a quest to find his father's stray donkeys. He and a servant boy search through many communities, many miles to find them, but cannot. And finally, Saul says, you know, we just need to go home. But the servant recommends that they go and see the prophet in town to see if he can help them. So they go and they inquire, is the prophet free? And they're told that if they run, they can catch the prophet right before his meal. It is Samuel that they are looking for, whom God had prepared in advance uh, just the day before for this meeting. When Samuel meets Saul, God tells him, this is indeed the new king, the new ruler of Israel. In what have Uh, When what must have been a dizzying chain of events, Saul is invited to the shrine to eat with key leaders gathered there. And Samuel tells him, don't worry about the donkeys. They have been found safe. We want you to spend the night. You are our guest. And in the morning, we will have an important conversation about things of God before you go. Now, Saul is confused about this since he is from a small and unimportant tribe. He literally says, says, why are you talking to me this way? Like I am nobody. Samuel honors Saul with the best portion of the food and a rooftop bed. And when Saul awakens the next morning, Samuel sends the servant ahead so that he can speak to Saul alone. Here is where we pick up the story. Remember, as we read this, that Saul doesn't really understand what's going on. First Samuel 10, starting at verse one. Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it on his head, Saul's head, and kissed him and said, The Lord has anointed you ruler over his people, Israel. You shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their enemies all around. Now this shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you ruler over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. They will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found. And now your father has stopped worrying about them and is worrying about you saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there further and come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you. One carrying three kids, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. They will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. 
After that, you shall come to Gebeath Elohim at the place where the Philistine garrison is. There, as you come to the town, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the shrine with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre playing in front of them, and they will be in a prophetic frenzy. Then the Spirit of the Lord will possess you, and you will be in a prophetic frenzy along with them and be turned into a different person. Now, when these signs meet you, do whatever you see fit to do, for God is with you. And you shall go down to Gilgal ahead of me. Then I will come down to you to present burnt offerings and offer sacrifices of well-being. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. As he turned away to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all of these signs were fulfilled that day. When they were going there to Gebeah, a band of prophets met them, and the Spirit of God possessed them. And he fell into a prophetic frenzy along with them. And all who knew him before saw how he prophesied with the prophets. The people said to one another, What has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man of the place answered, And who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? When his prophetic frenzy had ended, he went home. Saul's uncle said to him and to the boy, Where did you go? And Saul replied, To seek the donkeys. And when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. Samuel's uncle, Saul's uncle said, Tell me what Samuel said to you. Saul said to his uncle, he told us that the donkeys had been found. But about the matter of the kingship, of which Saul had spoken, he did not tell him anything. Am I off? Oh yeah, sorry about that. Samuel summoned the, I'm so in the spirit, sorry, 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 I'm, just, I'm so in reading this, sorry. Samuel summoned the people to the Lord at Mizpah and said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought you. Up Israel out of Egypt, and I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses, and you have said, No, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its families, and the family of the Masorites was taken by Lot. Finally, he brought the family of the Matrites near man by man, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Did the man come here? And the Lord said, See, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Then they ran and brought him from there. And when he took his stand among the people, he was head and shoulders taller than any of them. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the one whom the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. And all of the people shouted, Long live the king! Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people back to their homes. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with them went warriors whose, whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellow said, oh, how can this man save us? They despised him and brought him no present, but he, Saul, held his peace. Lord, teach us today from your word. 
May we be obedient to your direction, and may we find deep joy from being in your presence. Amen. So let's dive into where we're going today. Our scripture is long, so we have a little less time to talk about it. This is appropriate since we're focusing on scripture for Lent. But when we read this chapter, one thing we see is this. In any circumstance, we need to look for where God is acting outside of us. We need to listen to what the Spirit is saying inside of us. And we need to pay attention to what is being perceived by people beside us. So from this passage, we're going to look at the nature of God, the nature of prophecy, and the nature of humanity. So let's begin with the nature of God. In this story, what we need to remember is that at any time, God can exert his will for those who belong to him. Israel demanded a king like the other nations around him had. This sounds like a child demanding what their friends have. And we get this, right? Toys and clothes and mannerisms. Kids and adults want to be like those around them. Now, the other nations didn't have just one model of what a ruler was. Mesopotamians believed that their, that their king dropped out of heaven for the benefit of humanity. Egyptians saw their pharaoh as a semi-divine potentate. Now, we're unsure fully what Israel wanted, but God was not going to let them decide everything. And that's something that we keep in mind as people who seek the Lord. God works with us, but he retains his authority. They will have a king, but it will be on his terms. Another aspect of God's character we see here is this. Although he doesn't endorse the idea of giving Israel a human king, he honors their request. Once he tells them yes, he walks with them through the entire process. He is behind the scenes. He is in front of them. He is directing everything so the people will succeed with this bad idea that they have. Now, this is good news for all of us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because even when we have bad ideas, when we pray and we ask for something that may not be his best will for us, God is absolutely never going to leave us. He's going to help us and go before us so that we will succeed. What a comfort to have a God throughout the ages who has done this for his people, who is steadfast and true. He walks with us because our lives are complex and messy. And he stays in the middle of it with us. Another piece here is how God shows up when people are going about their everyday life, when he wants them to be on a new path. Abraham was resting in his tent and Moses was tending to his sheep. Mary was hanging out at home and the Samaritan woman was getting water at the well and Saul was looking for donkeys. He wasn't looking to be crowned the first king of Israel. God does not meet us all the time, of course, in extraordinary ways like this, but we should expect that God meets us every day, that he speaks and he leads and he fills and he guides and he directs and he heals and he answers and he convicts us. He leads us. God is active in the world. He has great plans and they ultimately come to pass. The point is we have to be ready 
when he shows up. Now, let's turn to the nature of prophecy. There are two different things I want to talk about here. One has to do with Samuel himself, and one has to do with Saul being transformed. In these scriptures, prophecy is a spirit-directed form of honoring the Lord. Samuel is the representative from God at Israel at that time. He is given direct information about what the people need to know. He serves as their judge. He gives them wisdom. He serves as their pastor. God is orchestrating events, and Samuel is obedient to what God is calling him to do as the ambassador in this situation. He has special ability that God has given him to see into people's lives for direction and knowledge. And here, Samuel anoints Saul to be the king. It's a private moment just between two of them. Notice there are no crowds. There is no family. Anointing is the act of empowering and recognize the ordained office that God is giving to Saul. And here we see the mandate that Saul has is to save. Save your people, God says, from their enemies. Here we see that Israel has a completely different kind of king than their neighbors. There is one God, and he has chosen Saul to rule his people. Now, Samuel gives Saul knowledge of what will happen after he leaves that place. And what we want to notice about this is, this is really important. Because to Saul, Samuel could just be some weird guy that says this stuff. And really, like, who knows who this guy is, right? But, Sam, but Saul says, listen. Samuel says, listen. What's going to happen to you next is you're going to meet some people and they're going to give you some bread. And you're going to meet some other people, and they're going to tell you your donkeys are safe. And then you're going to meet a band on the road, and you are going to uh, have an experience of the Spirit. As Saul turns away to leave, God immediately gives him another heart. In other words, God's presence is now with Saul in a completely new way for his glory and his service. Although Saul is the first king... The experience of receiving the Holy Spirit is something that all Christians understand. Whether we, when we receive his spirit for the first time, when we receive his spirit to do special work, like here, God fills the souls of those who put their faith in him. And we just stop and think about a moment, a time that you knew God was working in your heart and in your life. Sometimes it's very evident in the moment. You can feel the spirit. Other times, it isn't until weeks later or years later that you stop and you say, that was God. God shows you how he has been working. This is the second way we see prophecy play out here. Just as Samuel says, Saul meets a band of prophets. The spirit of God possessed him and he fell into a prophetic frenzy. Saul's first act as king was to worship, was to worship the Lord. When God meets us, we are in awe. And this can look like lots of things. The Bible dictionary says that this is ecstatic utterances. So what does that mean? Was it tongues? Was it dancing and singing? Was it speaking words of praise to God? We don't know. All we know is that the Spirit has filled Saul and he has a new freedom to express himself. 
And we know words are inadequate for what happens when the Spirit infills us. Look how God has given the people so much more than a regular king. He has ensured that their leader is full of his holiness and his goodness. Saul has been given a fresh way of knowing God. And this is important because this has to translate to the entire nation. God wants Israel to have this same heart as well. As the leader goes, so goes whomever they are leading. God wants Israel to know him in a different way. So under Saul's care, they will benefit from a godly, spirit-filled king. What a gift God gives us. The Swiss Reformed theologian Karl Barth says, it's not that Saul merely becomes a prophet or that he gets a skill that he didn't previously have. It is that by means of the Holy Spirit, Saul became the Lord's possession and stood under the authority of Israel's true Savior. So we hear that and we want to stop and ask, does the Lord fully possess me? What does that mean in my life? What does that look like? Do I stand under the authority of Jesus Christ, who is the risen Savior and King? So let's just pause in silence for a minute to reflect on these words and allow God to speak to us. Holy Spirit, I ask for each person here that you would continue, God, to speak and to fill us. Show us, God, who we are in you. Amen. Lastly, we want to explore the nature of humanity in situations where God is evidently working. And we want to pay attention to how the Lord is being perceived in this chapter. We begin with Saul himself. We notice, we know he has just been chosen by God. He has been anointed prophetically. He's had three signs that the Lord has given him. And he has been fully empowered by the Spirit. But when the lots are cast to choose him as king, and he knows that will happen because he knows he's already the king, he cannot be found. He's hiding behind the baggage. Now Samuel has called Saul the best they have. But here he is doing the opposite of what we would expect a king to do. And the opposite of what the people need. There are so many reasons that he would hide. Maybe you yourself have hidden when you've been called upon to be a leader. There are times that I have absolutely wanted to hide and have hidden. Now there are Let's think about why he might hide. He's still in shock. Maybe he has no confidence. No one understands him because he is the first one. Maybe he doesn't feel prepared. Maybe he's rattled by the people's questions. Perhaps he had other things that he wanted for his life. But there's another reason that this is a character flaw. All leaders no matter how anointed or gifted, are broken. Now, there's a reason why he didn't want to raise his hand. 
There's a reason why he left the people wondering where he was. It's not a great start. And we're going to see this flaw again in his leadership later. But let's look at those who witnessed Saul being full of prophetic utterances. They ask, what has come over this guy? Is this the son of Kish? Who is this? Don't we know him? And we think in our mind about Jesus teaching in the temple and people saying, isn't this the son of Joseph? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Sometimes we don't have categories for what happens when the Lord is on someone. And so we revert back to what we know, trying to figure out whether or not this can be true. Then they cast lots for whom God has chosen to be the king. This was the ancient way of how decisions were revealed to people. The people need to know what God has done. When it is revealed, the people shout, long live the king! So many of them are thrilled to have a ruler finally over them. But notice verse 27. There are some who derided Saul, saying, how can this guy save us? They hated him. And I love it that it said, and they didn't even bring him a gift. It's a normal human reaction that we want to control those who are in charge. We have in our minds who we think leaders should be and how they should act if they want us to follow them. And if they don't fit that mold or we don't like them or what they stand for, we push back. God did not put together a committee to find a king. He didn't ask for input. Nor did he ask for a vote. He decided. And already there is dissent. Having a king was their choice, but they don't want to follow this guy. So do they want a leader or not? We talked a few weeks ago about what kind of followers we are. This is an important question for us, especially in the church and the places where God is the center. There is a challenge for us to consider how it is that we support and come alongside those who lead. So many church splits are due to lack of respect for the spiritual authority God has given to both clergy and lay people. This is why it's important that we come together. We come before the Lord Because he is the leader. It's important that we have our voice. It's important that we talk about the hard issues. But these men had a bias against Saul from the beginning. Maybe they thought less of him because he hid. He just started and already there's trouble. Welcome to leadership. Saul holds his peace with the naysayers, which is a wise choice. Saul leaves his house one day to find something earthly he lost, only to find himself in possession of the entire kingdom. Life with Jesus is like this. We don't know where he's going to lead and where it is that he is going to ask us to serve him. We cannot fully know the mind of God, and we will be surprised when he shows up. But when that happens, let's pay close attention to what the Spirit is doing inside of us. And let's keep our focus on the Lord, because there are always going to be people who say, hurrah, and always people who say, and grumble and complain. Let us stay focused on the Lord. So in this time of Lent, let us bow our heads in prayer, acknowledging our true, perfect, risen King Jesus, who offers us hope.
and words of life. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.